etiquette, 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 etiquette. I'm not very good at etiquette. I'm not very good at it. I'm not very good at etiquette. I'm not very good at it. I'm not very good at etiquette. I'm not very good at it. Etiquette is saying the right things at the right time. I say the wrong things at the wrong time. I just want to leave. I just want to say goodbye and leave. But sometimes when I say goodbye and try to leave, I can see they want more. They want a kiss, a hug, they want a handshake. They want me to do something else, give them something more. But I don't know what it is. I don't know what they want and I don't know how to give it to them. I don't know what you want and I don't know how to give it to you. But this is different. You're probably not here for me. You're probably here because of a friend or because it's free or you don't have anything better to do. But I did say I would give you something and I'm not sure that I can. It's not that I can't give you what you want. It's just that I don't know whether I could give you what I said that I'd give you. I know this because I said I'd give you something that I knew I couldn't give you. I know this because I can't do what I said I'd do. I know this because to talk about things in the way I want to talk about them isn't polite. It's not good manners. It's not good manners. It's not good manners. It's not good manners. It's not polite. It's not polite. It's not good manners. It's not good. It's not polite. You can't talk about humans as if they were things. You can't talk about people as though they were objects. But they literally are objects. They literally are things. You'd be a thing too if you'd been burned to dust. Literally burned into ash and dust and nothing. Shit fucking nothing. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. They say that but they don't mean that. Most people start as humans before they become dust. Most people are human before they're dust. Normally it goes human, corpse, dust. That's the way it normally goes. But some people start as dust and end as dust. Start as shit and end as shit. Start as nothing and end as nothing. I'm looking around. I don't see many people here who'd get turned into dust, literal dust, atomized, disintegrated into dust and nothing. Mixed with the dust and ash and nothingness of a hundred other people. I don't know you, but I just can't picture you as dust with men and women in hazard suits and breathing apparatus scrabbling around in you, literally in you as nothing, dust, ash, shit, fucking nothing. Literally kicking you up in the air as they scrabble around trying to find something in the nothing. Some tiny fragment of bone or tooth that might give them some indication that amongst this dusty, ashy, nothing shit there might have once been a person. A human with a name and a life and a haircut. A person with something to say, something stupid to say, something disgusting to say, some resentment to lay out, some personal slight to attribute to someone else. Some problem to put elsewhere, some moaning, wailing, aggravating claim to personhood denied to them by a cruel system or a world out of balance. Dusty, ashy, shitty, nothing blowing around the streets into houses, blowing out across the Westway. Burned human corpse dust blowing across the traffic into Westfield Shopping Centre into the food hall. Human corpse dust landing in sheets on your Nando's, sprinkling across your Byron Burger. Decimated fragments of mingled humans shaking down onto your Cafe Nero. Ashy human shit on your Five Guys, on your Franco Manca, on your Itsu, on your James Italian. Decorating your Lola's cupcake, sprinkled on your Millie's cookie. Dusting your Mr. Pretzel onto your Zizi. Laying like fresh snow across those little domes covering the yo sushi plates as they go around on that stupid fucking conveyor belt. We want to be taken seriously. It's tiring, it's tiring, it makes me feel tired. All this death, all this death, all this dying. Reading about this death, watching this death, thinking about this death, googling this death. Trying to think of reasons, trying to think beyond reason, trying to think beyond what is reasonable. How fucking empathy go? How fucking anger go? Can you resent something on behalf of someone else? Can you resent yourself on behalf of others? What should we talk about and how should we talk about it? What should we see and what should remain hidden? Having a panic attack whilst you try and watch a video of a Jordanian pilot being burned alive in a cage in a desert in the Middle East. Let's talk about cruelty. 
Cruelty is in the details. Cruelty is starving him for five days. Cruelty is dressing him in petrol-soaked clothes hours before the burning. Cruelty is in using hashtag on Twitter to crowdsource ideas for how to kill him. Cruelty is in the details. Cruelty is saving £5,000 by installing flammable cladding. Cruelty is taking six months to identify the remains of the dead. Cruelty is refusing to pay for the installation of sprinkler systems that might prevent further death. You don't have to intend to be cruel to be cruel. You don't have to mean it. You don't have to want it. You don't have to enjoy it. You don't even have to know you're... You don't even have to know you, you don't even have to know you're doing it. Not only that, but you don't even have to be a you. You could be a structure, you could be a circumstance, you could be a government, a society, an ideology, a tendency. Cruelty doesn't have to have an outcome or a reason. It doesn't have to mean anything. It doesn't have to have a purpose or be an answer to a question, unless the question is what is cruelty? Cruelty, therefore, does not require intention at either end of the process. And in a way, this is what makes cruelty so cruel. People suffer acts of cruelty, whether or not the people committing the cruel acts know they're being cruel. And they suffer cruelty despite there not being any particular purpose to their particular suffering. <laughs> cruelty makes its mark on bodies. Cruelty is cruel to bodies. Single human bodies. Single tiny pathetic human bodies. Single tiny fragile human bodies with muscles and bones and organs wrapped up in delicate skin. Single human beautiful bodies warm to the touch. Single, smiling, talking, laughing human bodies holding on to each other in flats filling with smoke and stairwells filling with poisonous smoke, waving phones out of windows, texting friends and family, waiting for help that won't arrive. The scent is nauseating and sweet, putrid and steaky or something like leather being tanned over a flame. The smell can be so thick and rich that it's almost a taste. You never really get the smell out of your nose entirely, no matter how long you live. Burning muscle tissue gives off an aroma similar to beef in a frying pan, and body fat smells like fatty pork, but a whole body includes all sorts of parts that wouldn't normally be cooked, and therefore can't be described by analogy. For example, cattle are bled after slaughter, and the beef and pork we eat contain very few blood vessels. When a whole human body burns, all the iron-rich blood still inside can give the smell a coppery, metallic component. Full bodies also include internal organs, which rarely burn completely because of their high fluid content. They smell like burnt liver. Cerebrospinal fluid burns up in a musky, sweet perfume. Burning skin has a charcoal-like smell, while setting hair on fire produces a sulfurous odour. This is because the keratin in our hair contains large amounts of cysteine, a sulfur-containing amino acid. The smell can cling to the nostrils for days. I think about being killed in public places. I think about being killed. I imagine a man with a long knife attacking people attacking me. I imagine people screaming. I imagine my own terror. I imagine being gripped by animal urges, lizard desires to escape and get away whatever it takes. Recent places in which I have visualised my own killing include, whilst in the Japanese salt inhalation steam room at the day spa in Centre Parks, drinking a flat white at an Australian artisan coffee shop near King's Cross Station, whilst eating McDonald's alone in an open plan service station on the M4, whilst waiting to be shown round an ex-local authority maisonette in South East London by an estate agent so young that at the end of the viewing he is picked up by his grander in a red Toyota Yaris. Isn't it nice to think about being killed? Isn't it nice to think about being killed instead of actually being killed? Isn't it nice to visualise your own death at the hands of a crazed killer instead of being actually literally killed? Being actually literally killed by the people you thought were there to support you. 
being actually literally burned to death, burned until you turn into shitty, ashy, nothing shit by the people who promise to help you. <laughs> there are two types of crime, and the difference between them is a difference of intention. An acquisitive crime is committed in order to acquire something. The crime is committed in order to attain something else. In a bank robbery, money is what the bank robber wants, and robbing the bank is the way to get that money. An expressive crime is a crime that doesn't have any other meaning outside the content of the crime. This is different to an acquisitive crime where the crime is committed in order to attain something else. In an expressive crime, there is no something else. The crime itself is the desired outcome. In a murder, the act of killing is what the killer wants. That is an expressive crime. This difference of intention allows us to read these crimes differently. With an expressive crime, we can read the logic of the criminal in the nature of the crime. The remains of the body allow us to understand the reasoning of the killer. But what about an expressive crime with an absent criminal? Can there be a murder with no murderer? Might there be a crime scene in which the only logic that can be read is negative? Failure, negligence, ignorance, a turning away, a denial of responsibility, an indifference and abjection are discussed. The problem with tower blocks is that they remind us of our failure. Tower blocks were supposed to be the future of our cities. A future of community, a future of fairness, and of a civil society. That future didn't happen, but the tower blocks are still here. And now the towers and the people who live in them are an obstruction to the real future of our cities. Security, separation, hidden power. People who live in tower blocks are people out of time. They are a reminder of an old history and an abandoned future. They are an obstruction to a new future. They are populations that cannot be processed by time and therefore the only way to deal with them is to make them disappear. To hide them, to pacify them, to limit them. To subjugate them, to incapacitate them, to kill them. Death is a state of being, it is a process, and it is a form of power. Necropolitics is the political power to decide who lives and who dies. This power is the ultimate power, the most powerful power, and the last power. But it is also a debased and perverted power. It is a one-way power, once you have killed someone, they cannot be made alive again. Necropolitics is a politics that can take away but cannot give back. A politics with the power to kill is a politics at the end of its tether, at the last of its resorts. A politics can become necropolitical in two ways, and again the difference is intention. The first way to become necropolitical is intentional. It is ISIS, it is the Nazi party, it is any totalitarian regime that craves complete power. Little by little, the state acquires the power to decide who is a subject and who is not, who is a person and who is not, who gets to live and who has to die. The second way to become necropolitical is unintentional. It's a mistake, a side effect. The state slowly builds up the trust of its members, offering rights and assurances to its citizens, taking on responsibility for their welfare until it supports many lives. And then slowly or quickly, on purpose or through ignorance, the state sheds its responsibilities and removes legal infrastructure designed to stop it neglecting its own citizens. It gives away power until the only power left is the power to kill. But unlike ISIS or a totalitarian state, we don't mean to kill. We don't even necessarily want to kill. We just didn't think it all through, and now it's happening. Killing is a shrug of the shoulders, a watery back, shake of the head. Killing is killing someone else, remember, someone who is other, someone who is certainly not us. So are we really killing anyone if we're not killing ourselves? Killing is a sigh, a burp, a fart of the system, a bodily function we don't talk about and can't control. But those who are killed are bodies too, and their remains remain killed and remain a reminder of their killing. 
their bodies are the recipients, an exposed place, a captive surface, they allow themselves to be painted. They are always there in the mind, they come back in dreams, they live in memory, and if they're forgotten as so many millions of them are, that is even more disturbing, somehow unforgivable. The disappeared are the unquietest ghosts. Death turns humans into things, but a corpse is different to any other thing. Your mind is a blowtorch burning things down so you can find a home. You don't have to believe in ghosts to be frightened of them.